Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hey there, Mona Me. This is episode 365, our one year daily episode podcast. I'm so excited and I want to invite you to join me today. Me, Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Join me on the flip because we're going to be talking about something that might seem hard, but it really isn't when you know the few little things that you need to do to get in there and why they're important. So come on, stay with me because we're going to be talking about how to access your genius mode. Oh, yes, you're a genius. I'll see you on the flip. Hey there, thank you so much for joining me on The Flip. Before we get started, today is a special day. Today is episode number 365. Now, I'm going to be honest, it took me 370 days to do it uh, because of some sinus issues and a cold here or there, but yet she prevailed. Oh, yes. And so I want to give a big old shout out to you. Yes, you, for taking the time to come and join me every day. For those people who kind of noticed the few days that I missed here and there uh, and checked in, let me know that you were waiting for me. And for those people, all of you who have done things like simply said, good work, keep it going, or uh, gave me feedback or asked me to consider speaking about something, y'all, it really helped. And I really appreciate you for being there with me. So yay to me and to you. Happy episode 365. 365 days, you guys. I usually say y'all because that's what I say, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying today to, you know, for just a hot minute to be all like, you know, professional. <laughs> but with that being said, um, I decided I wasn't going to do anything like, you know, off the beaten path, but I wanted to talk about something that we had started the last few days. And it's so interesting because a lot of this stuff we know, but hopefully today I'll be able to put it into uh, some easy to follow steps or actions that you can take to do this. So as promised, I'm going to be talking with you about how to access your genius mode. Okay, so let's get into it. So the first thing I want to say is, is that there are psychiatrists, uh, neuroscientists and the like who have made a career out of studying genius. One of them of note and uh, bless her, she's still out there doing the doggone thing, even in her 80s, is Dr. Nancy uh, Andreessen. 
And Dr. Andreasen was one of the pioneers in the scientific study of genius. She has written many textbooks on creativity. I encountered her in my graduate studies. She uh, also has manuals on uh, for medical doctors in the area of psychi- uh, psychiatry. And so this lady really knows what she's talking about. And of recent, one of her most recent uh, things that she uh, put out was an article from uh, 2014, where she did it for The Atlantic. And what it was is she did a broad spectrum kind of research um, for geniuses. And what she found was that there was no set commonality about a person's ability to uh, be analytical or logical or have a high IQ to represent genius. What she did find that was common around most of them was that they were, are you ready? Creative, repetitious, and that they were problem solvers with high curiosity. And she said things like, they love to embrace the messy middle, meaning that they might not be the fastest person to produce something, but once they have the allotted time that they need to crack the code, to solve a problem, to explore, and to humor their need to look at different avenues and angles, when you do get a product from them or whatever it is they create, it is magnificent. And she looked at people from all walks of life, writers, um, engineers, software people, you name it. She, she looked at all these people. And then this is another thing that she said. She said that for the geniuses and these highly creative people, they tended to have a wide knowledge. Now, prior to this, most people thought that geniuses had a speciality. And it is kind of true because a lot of times people present the world to the world that speciality that they have. But in order to have that ability to be a quote-unquote expert or highly knowledgeable at that, normally what's driving from behind is a vast knowledge, a wide database of experience, information, and processed takeaways from the experience, the information, and the data, and all of that. And so what it tends to do is it tends to help not only with the person's ability to bring new insights or to have many options to create from, but it tended to help with prolonged success and get this one, help with their originality. Now, if you will, Think about a few days ago uh, when I was talking about the four types of luck and the fourth one being unique luck. And then the next day we talked about how to take that luck a little further when we uh, were were talking about how to uh, turn your luck into your destiny. And then yesterday we talked more um with regards to this part of getting into how to be your pro version, which is that upgraded version of yourself where you do magnificent things with yourself and with your life. And looking at what Dr. Anderson had, uh, and and, excuse me, Andreasen, forgive me, (laughs) what she had said, 
it started to come back full uh full full round and the reason why i'm saying that is because with me having set out to endeavor to do a podcast every day at least for a year i am not saying i'm a genius at anybody's podcast i mean have y'all listened to some of these editing is not my thing <laughs> and uh yeah but what i will say is it there is something about showing up no matter what and I have gotten to a point just in this amount of time, because this is not a long time. There are many people who do this all the time for year after year after year. Uh, but I've gotten to the point where I can actually attest to the fact that the more you use something, the more agile you become, the more you're able to come up with uh, unique things. One of the things that it, do, it doesn't baffle me, but it is sad because it is a common assumption is that people say, well, how do you know what to come up with? How can you come up with a different topic every day? And I usually will tell them, the more you do it, the more you do get to the point where you can come up with a different topic, especially if you are in a subject like something that I do. I believe that uh, wisdom is part of the cosmic all, part of the three O's, you know, the omniscience, omnipresence, and um, I'm, look at me, I'm stuttering all wrong. Omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. So I believe that it is part of that cosmic good and all. And so be, that means it is, it's inexhaustive. But if you pick something where it is very terminal and it just you just get to a point, well, then yes, you're going to get to uh, repetition land and it's going to become boring. And so I believe that doing something like this requires that you have a topic that is contained, but that is you're never going to even get past the tip of the iceberg with it. And I think that that in and of itself was a little genius on the part of that inspiration that that piqued me to, to do a podcast on something like that. And so accessing your genius mode involves marrying not only your ability to think, um, but it involves the ability to stick with something to be repetitive, you know, to hone your skills, as well as to be able to become creative because that creativity is going to keep you from getting bored with it. It's going to keep you from becoming, you know, just an everyday Joe. You're, you will find your voice. You will find that unique thing about you. You'll find those quirks about you that you're like, dang, I don't like that. And Yet and still, someone else will be like, I love that about you. And on and on, it continues to grow. I wrote this down. And this, I, now I'll say this. I was not a staunch fan of the old show, but I, I just always thought it was clever. And uh, they recently came out with a new version of it. And I tried to watch the new version. And I found myself going back to the old version. And that is MacGyver. It's a US-based television show of a guy who manages to get himself into some sticky situations and he has to get himself out of these situations by just his, you guessed it, creativity. And the thing is, is that people don't want to call what he 
what he does on the show Creative, they want to call it genius. And now looking at Dr. Andreasen's research, I see why they equate creativity with genius. So this is the thing that the number one thing that I want to say for this particular podcast about MacGyver and what we can learn from him is that MacGyver always had options. And that's the thing about the uh, whole idea of unlocking your genius mode. When you refuse to put a terminal point on what you can do, options, more options will open up to you. There have been many times when I've had problems and I was like, there is no way out of this. And I had to catch myself because there had to be a way out of it. And when I push past that to start to demand that I see and that I open my eyes and that I open my sensors and I open myself to new options and new opportunities and new angles and avenues, it always happened where, yes, there were more options. And looking at that MacGyver series when the guy would go and he'd have like, a, no joke, a wrapper from a piece of gum and use the foil side of it to create a spark so that he could create an explosion <laughs> so that he could get out of a closed room. And I was just like, who thinks of this stuff? He spawned uh, shows that would test out what he had concocted just to see if it would work. And most of the times it did, it was replicatable. And so looking at just even the fictitious character MacGyver and how whether the writers knew it or not, they were able to tap into the genius mode and people who spawn other shows and YouTube series. I believe Mythbusters did a lot of testing of uh, what he did in those shows as well was amazing that I was like, it was right in front of us. There is a way to access your genius mode. So let's get into that. To do that, first and foremost, it cause it we're we're called to have a, a mental state change. Now y'all know I don't use the word uh, a mindset. I don't I don't believe in in anything being set about your mind. Uh, there are certain states of being that you can be in. And usually the funny thing is, is those are usually going to be articulated by frequency. You know, so a lot of people, when they hear, you know, you're not on my level, you're not on my frequency, they roll their eyes and think you're doing woo-woo. And when they don't understand, you are being more scientific because your different states can be actually measured in megahertz and how many oscillations your brain is processing because we're real, we're, we're, basically a battery and that the brain is one of the main batteries of the body. And so how fast or how slow it moves determines the type of state you're in. And so one of the things that we have known, but we maybe did not put it together as much before the big uh, in um, introduction into the neurosciences and neurological behaviors and even dark psychology at the turn of the century in the early 2000s, we started learning more about the correlations between this and that. So understand this, alpha state that's that daydreamy state. That's when you're daydreaming or you stare off into space or um, you catch yourself drifting off from what you were doing. That 
is an alpha state. It is a little slower than our everyday beta state. That's where you are. And when I had to learn this years ago, I was like, well, why is an everyday normal waking state called alpha? I still don't understand that. But (laughs) your normal everyday uh, walking around interacting, alert, that is the beta state. And it's actually the fastest one. And they move down slower in frequencies or lower frequencies, not slower, lower frequencies from there. So you have that beta state. Then you have alpha, which is a little slower. And that's the daydreamy, twilighty. It's it's also the state where Sandman calls your name and you start, you know, (sighs) getting a little heavy in the eyelids uh, and it's that time right before you drift off to sleep then after that it's going to be theta that's where that's a lot of the hard work of uh, REM sleep and uh, the acetylcholine flushing the brain to determine what gets kept in long-term memory and what is dispelled and removed out it's kind of like the washing um, at the end of the day And then we get into that delta sleep. That's that baby deep sleep. That's where a lot of human growth hormone is released and reparative work happens and where you're able to um, mend and repair uh, things that you've torn down, whether it's exercising and musculature and all of those things. So each one of them has a reason for being. And now we realize that to access your genius mode, The reason why folks have been telling us to meditate so much is so that you can get into the alpha state because that's the state where it's easiest to access your sense of creativity. That is where it's easy for you to access uh, your ability to take in things into your long term as well as your subconscious. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can have accelerated learning. That's why when you put yourself into a meditative state where you're in between sleep and wakefulness, it's a dreamy state and you are able to either take in a suggestion, whether it be through a hypnotic trance or a guided meditation or you're uh, listening to an audio book or or even managing, some people are able to do this, <laughs> managing to write and read during this time. I don't, I can't do it, but some people can. You're able to learn a lot and change a lot in yourself. Now, with that, that means that you're able to, and most people like to go into this state, you're able to do a lot of complex problem solving during your alpha state. But it does take some time It take because it takes learning how to stay in that state because it's kind of like teetering on the edge of a razor blade because it's so thin and you can fall out of it into full-on sleep without even realizing you've done it and you wake up and you're like, whoa, you know. And so it takes some time to get there. And um, But, you know, keep, keep working at it. So a lot of people do that. And what they do during these times is they get in to an alpha state where they seek options and answers and they seek new ways to look at something. When uh, looking at masterminds and people who have put together complex plans that required a lot of spinning plates to happen, a lot of times those people have said that they have had to steal away to get to a quiet space and just get with their thoughts. It is highly suspected uh, that 
they're putting themselves knowingly or unknowingly into an alpha state so that they can access and turn on this genius mode. And what ends up happening in this genius mode access of going through from the alpha state is that you're able to play. You're able to look at the what ifs and the whimsy because in the alpha state, logic is not necessarily there. And so logic is not telling you what you can't do. The sky is the limit. If you want to see yourself flying and doing things, you can. And the fun thing about it is, is if you are willing to uh, stick with it, you can find a way to pull it off to accomplish what you can come up with in this whimsical state that does a lot. So then the next thing is, is you're able to tap into your genius mode and access it when you start to do subconscious and it's not manipulation as much as it's conditioning. Now, back in the 70s, there was a new uh, way of uh, working with people's behaviors and minds. And they didn't know where to put this particular uh, new fangled, if you will, process. Uh, it was started by an associate professor and an undergrad student uh, in, in the late 70s. And what they did was is this is where we get the genius patterns and genius models from. What they did was, is they looked at uh, people who had proven that they were able to help people uh, break bad habits, deal with deep traumas, and get a lot more tangible success than traditional uh, therapy, talk therapy, and the like. And so it ended up that they studied people like Erickson and Milton uh, to be able to take what they needed from hypnosis and use it in a more practical, replicatable scientific model that they called NLP. And NLP star, uh, uh, stands for neuro, which is the brain, linguistics, which is words, uh, programming. And so by doing that, what they did was is they first learned the models that each one of these geniuses did by observation. They didn't want to learn it. They just wanted to take that part that they could glean and observe by interacting with it. Then after they learned the model, they looked for the patterns. And then based on that, that's how they came up with these, these two main components of anchors and modeling. So I'm not going to give you an NLP rehash. All I'm going to say is this, is that when you're in your uh, genius mode, you're highly creative, but you're also highly susceptible to suggestion. And that is because you have tapped into that part of you that uh, accesses those sub networks that we mentioned yesterday of the brain that are normally not turned on. It's like you're leveling up. That is how when someone who practices NLP anchors or collapses an anchor or gets you to do something that you didn't think you were able to do, it's because they are moving in these subdirectories of the genius mode. And for those of you, let me let me spend 90 seconds. So an anchor is something that you would attach a word or a movement to, to a behavior or a thought, not necessarily what you believe, but just a behavior or a thought. And then modeling would be where you build, they call it a building rapport, but it's kind of like you mimic what someone is doing to gain their acceptance of you so that you can have 
uh, camaraderie together. And you can also do this modeling on your own and you become like the person that you're modeling. That's why a lot of people want to get coaching. They want to look at successful people. If someone has done something, they want to watch a tape of and they want to watch it over and over again because they can then model it and become like it. A famous case study was prior to... um, the 1950s or so, I might be 20 years off here. Uh, no, it, they thought it was impossible to break the four minute mile, but yet and behold, someone did it. They had tape of it. And then around the world, people started watching this tape, modeling this person. And now today, you could possibly go to a high school track meet and a superstar could possibly get to or break the four minute mile. So it's highly obtainable obtainable because the genius mode has been accessed and people have learned how to get in and model. Now with the anchoring, the anchoring, and it's the funniest thing. One of the shows that I love is Bones and it's supposed to be all about science and they make it exaggerated uh, that the scientists, they don't like psychology. They don't like the intangible and the woohoo. And yet and still in a few of the first episodes, one of the hard-nosed scientists was wearing a rubber band to control his anger. And when he would get angry, he would pop the rubber band vigorously against his wrist. And I just chuckled to myself because I'm like, this is psychology and NLP because it's an anchoring mode. And so what people can do is if there are behaviors that not beliefs, but behaviors or thought patterns or things that you find yourself doing you don't want to do, you can build a connection to an opposite opposing nullifying concept, idea, or thing. Uh, We use it in smoking cessation. We use it in uh, uh, treating other types of addictions where you replace the bad with something equally or more powerfully good. And when you are, quote unquote, collapsing anchors, that's when you are collapsing bad uh, habits. Now, NLP coming up through the 70s and working its way into respectability at the turn of the century, 30 years later, then joined with the creativity and uh, the understandings of the different frequencies of the brain to where now they are doing research and understanding how to put names on these different subfolders. And yesterday I told you the different ones that Dr. Beatty and his team uh, talked about in 2017 when they did a study and they talked about the default mode network. And that's the one where your memory and your mental stimulation happens. The salience network, which detects important information And then the executive control network, which plays key roles in your creative thought. And when you marry those together by taking time to get into this alpha mode that I told you about, you can access it through meditation, through deep breathing, sitting still quietly, collecting your thoughts like my grandmother used to say, and you start to synthesize these networks together, you successfully tap into the genius mode. Now, it's one thing to be able to meditate real good and and to uh, have some great little things with your alpha, but it's another thing, uh, alpha mode, but it's another thing when you want to make this very practical in step one, two, three. So 
Here we go. So the first thing I want you to do is yesterday we talked a little bit about finding reference points, genius patterns, and modeling. What I want you to know today is, is what you can then do is you can look at how you, first and foremost, things that you tend to do or to revert to. Things that you might goof off at. You might think, oh, I'm just watching TV. I know I need to be doing work, but I'm just watching TV. And you could be signaling to yourself avenues to get you into the genius mode. Consider the types of shows or the content that you like. If you tend to like to graze and look at a lot of things, you could be uh, telling yourself that you need to expand your database and make it wider. If you tend to fixate on certain types of skills and habits and hobbies, you could be needing to specialize in some things. And that is going to help you because remember what we said, got if you got to if you if you're going to do this, you got to be like MacGyver, which means that you got to have a wide and a deep database so that you will know all the options that you have available. So the first thing is, is to expand your knowledge base. And that includes enjoyable things. The next thing is to become creative. Steve Jobs said it best. He said creativity is about collecting. And so as you you, you desire to have things, you can start to design what you want, not based on what someone else is doing, but based on what you know and how you can start to put things together. Because part of creativity, and we touched on this yesterday, is about individually and in an original fashion, putting together things that don't normally seem to go together. When you start training your own mind to see correlations, relationships about stuff that's in your world, you're starting to rewrite certain patterns of thought uh, that help you. And then the next thing is, is start to consciously teach yourself how to think instead of what to think. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, but what we mean by how to think, take a step back and watch yourself of how you come to conclusions or how you come to an answer. Make note of it and look at what can be changed, what needs to be updated, and how you may differ from those that you admire who do the things that you want to do or do the things like you want to do. And this will help you to start becoming excellent at teaching yourself how to learn in the best way possible. And then the next thing is, is to work on your originality. It is time for you, instead of trying to conform and brush away those things that make you uniquely you, it is time for you to hold them up under the light of the microscope, examine them, and look for the originalities, look for the things that keep you interested in what you're doing. Because remember that part of your creativity, part of what you do as a genius has nothing to do with how smart you are from an IQ standpoint. It is a lot to do with your creativity, your originality, and those contribute to your prolonged success. So that's what it comes down to. Understanding that you have a genius mode and it is specifically yours. No one else can make it for you or can tell you how to access it and use it. So 
Go on and try it. You'll be surprised. And guess what? Yes, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And thank you, everybody. We made it a full year. And I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.